Yes, yes, yes. What is up, everyone? Welcome back into another episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host, and I am joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, my apologies. We haven't talked for a while, but we have some big Ohio State news to react to about a week later, but still pretty big and stuff that I don't know if we're all that surprised about, but kind of confirms what we've been saying all along. Yeah, not necessarily. I, I think at least the um, partially the cause, uh, not necessarily surprising. I was a little bit surprised when Matthew Baldwin announced that he would be transferring from Ohio State. Has not announced a new school yet or anything, but he's in the transfer portal. Um, presumably will not be back at Ohio State. Certainly kind of came out of the blue. I think a lot of people, uh, myself included, didn't think that this would be really an issue until at least next year. Um, but it sounds like Baldwin wasn't really super interested in backing up Justin Fields for two years, understandably. And on top of that, it sounds like he kind of wanted to be back closer to home, back closer to Texas, which is understandable, but still a, a pretty massive loss for Ohio State where now they're, you know, they're they're really down uh, their backup quarterback, and Chris Juganov is, I don't think, super capable of backing up Justin Fields. So uh, Ohio State kind of needs to find a new answer there pretty quickly. How dare you disrespect Chris Juganov? <laughs> this is the podcast of Chris Juganov. But yeah, we're here to talk about Matt Baldwin transferring and some of the fallout from that. What Ohio State's depth chart looks like, and just going back and listening to what we talked about on the spring game, it kind of confirmed for me how weird it was that they let him throw so often. I I don't know what the talks were between him and the coaching staff leading up to the spring game, but I did think it was a little odd that he had, what, like 36 pass attempts in the spring game, and we didn't really see Justin Fields throw the ball that often, and maybe that was just a last-ditch effort of like, hey, let me go out there and sling it. I'll show you what I can do, and maybe that was just random and that's how the game shook out but I did think that was weird when it happened and in my brain and this is the story I'm going with it makes sense that this was kind of one last showcase of hey let's see what you can do and let's see how close this competition really is and in the end Justin Fields for sure now is going to be your starting quarterback at Ohio State and like you said not a lot of depth right now there's Chris Chuganov and nobody else there's been a couple of names thrown out there of players who either may be in the transfer portal, uh, maybe considering going into the transfer portal, but right now it's kind of up in the air at quarterback. And has been thrown around most recently is um, former, possibly current, still Kentucky quarterback Gunnar Hoke, who um, Matt and I talked about a little bit on our recruiting version of this show that I think is, if not up now, will be by the time you can you can listen to this. Um, and the the reasoning for that is that it seems like Kentucky kind of has a starting quarterback in Terry Wilson, and uh, Gunnar Hoke is graduating this summer, but he does have two years left, so he would be a, a Chuganov-type grad transfer where he can play right away and then still have an extra year next year. And the the main question with that is, well, why would he leave somewhere where he's a backup to be a backup somewhere else? And I think that the main answer I've seen is related to him being from Dublin, Ohio originally, seems to have grown up an Ohio State fan, and I, I think that that's 
kind of the connection there. I'm still not sure if I 100% buy that, but right now that does seem like name number one. I know that um, when the news of Baldwin transferring first broke, I put out a list of possible candidates, none of which I would consider to be super likely, but I do think that Oklahoma State's Keandre Woodty um, and then maybe a couple of FCS guys could get a look as well. But right now it does seem like Hoke is kind of leading the way there. Yeah, and, you know, this is something that I think can be traced back a couple of years and just the way that everything has shaken out with how Ohio State has used their quarterbacks and how they've played. I don't know how much we want to dive deep into that. I kept it pretty on brand on Twitter after it happened and blamed Urban Meyer somehow for it just because that's what we do here, I guess, and we might as well stick true to our guns. But regardless of... It was Greg Schiano's fault. It was Greg Schiano's fault. Regardless of what it comes from, for Baldwin, like you said, it's really just a case of him not getting the starting job, but also wanting to go home, and and that's you can never fault a player for that. There are any of their reasons for transferring. We've been pretty on record saying we're fine with it, and even in this case, I hope Matt Baldwin goes wherever he's happy and can play right away. But it definitely leaves Ohio State in a position now where, yeah, we got Justin Fields, and I think we both feel pretty confident on what he's able to do. But Ryan Day has to really get to thinking about how they're going to use him this season and how much of a factor he's going to be running the ball in maybe maybe that's just thrown out the window a little bit because like it's football guys get hurt you know he can get hurt just dropping back to pass but it's definitely a thought now of not having that depth yeah for sure and I I don't know how much that will actually change Ohio State's game to game strategy obviously we are not in the coaching room and that's something that the coaches will probably decide closer to the season especially depending on who the backup they end up with is um but i I do think that not having someone who the coaching staff is is super confident in uh backing up field could change the way that justin fields is told to play a little bit it it could be a situation where instead of you know his his first thought when escaping the pocket being just to scramble downfield he's told to to stick back a little bit more he's told to limit the running instead of you know 15 read options a game they cut it down to 10 instead of 10 designed runs they cut it down to five whatever it may be um i I don't know like i said i don't know exactly how much this will impact that but i do think that not having a capable backup like matthew baldwin who i mean to be fair we didn't you know we didn't know for a fact that he would be an excellent backup by any means it seems like reports have been kind of conflicted on on how good he was going to be this season um certainly didn't look great in the spring game but did look solid enough um but i do think without that that confidence in the backup we could see um less justin fields running we could see maybe a tight end or a running back left in the backfield more frequently to help protect justin fields and keep him upright um especially with the offensive line still pretty young still developing and I think that that could really change the way Ohio State's offense is run this season that's the bigger deal to me whether more so than hey would Matt Baldwin have been really good if he would have gotten in it's just the trust in your backup to just be able to execute the offense and I I think that it's obvious that Ryan Day from the time he recruited Baldwin and brought him in that 
you could at least trust him. He knew what he was doing, and just watching the spring game, I, I don't think any of us feel that way about Chris Chuganov. As much as I love saying the name, like, whew, buddy, if he gets in there in Big Ten play, uh, it's going to be a rough one for Ohio State. Do you remember, uh, was it 2016? I think it was 2016 or maybe 2017 when Baylor had all those quarterback injuries and they played Texas and then North Carolina in the bowl game and just decided to run like some weird wishbone wildcat offense with running backs and linebackers at quarterback. Uh, Maybe (laughs) if Justin Fields gets hurt, like there are are so many five stars, put DeMario McCall at quarterback. Let's just let's get on that train right now. (laughs) I think if anybody could could uh, coordinate that offense, Ryan Day is probably the guy for it. Um, This podcast does officially support DeMario McCall at quarterback. I I think that I can I can say that with confidence and um, let's hope hope it doesn't come to that. Eric Glover uh, Williams is missing his shot right now. Oh man. That's a, that's a (laughs) blast from the past. (laughs) Speaking, uh, actually speaking of, um, uh, football missed connections, I guess, uh, I was watching this past week, um, the, uh, I, I record a bunch of spring games and I was watching Florida spring game. And, uh, boy, it sure would be nice to have Emory Jones right now, um, which, I mean, obviously not not really Ohio State's fault that he ended up elsewhere. That was that was a situation where recruit was less interested in the school and more just wanted to reserve a spot. Um, but that, that 2018 quarterback recruiting class and the way that they kind of had to scramble late for Baldwin um, certainly doesn't look great right now, especially when you pair it with missing on Tate in 2017 and then not getting anyone in 2019. I, I don't think that you can really afford to have three straight classes where you just don't get a quarterback. Obviously, they end up with Fields, and that kind of counts as their 2018 guy now. But um, I think Ryan Day has to really kind of right that ship pretty quickly in 2020, be it with two quarterbacks, be it with getting Jack Miller, locking down someone really solid in 2021, maybe someone like Kyle McCord. Um, but I think Ohio State's quarterback room is going to be a little thin for a while now because of this. And that's why if you're these coaches, no matter if guys transfer, you got to bring on as many as you can. If you can bring on one a class, maybe two every other class. If you're a big-time program, you, you kind of have to just yeah, based off of that. especially with the new transfer rules. It, it really is you have to get a quarterback every class, and if you don't, you can end up in a situation like Ohio State's in now where you have two scholarship quarterbacks and one of them really isn't, I mean, that <laughs> that that great of a player. How cruel is it that we finally made it out of the, the era of ramming the quarterback up the middle 25 <laughs> times a game, and now Ohio State doesn't have any depth? Like, we're in the drop back sometimes run athletic quarterback era and now this is happening why god why i mean it it really is it's wild the number of quarterbacks ohio state has lost in the last couple of seasons you know you you have dwayne haskins obviously stays justin field's going to be the starter this year but outside of those guys you lose tate martell you lose joe burrow now you lose Matt Baldwin, and then on top of that, Emory Jones and Juan Mathis both um, decommit before they ever get to Ohio State. That's a massive amount of attrition. That there's, you know, that's a position where you really can't plan for. You can't really have a backup plan. You know, it's your first your first choice in recruiting kind of has to be your guy, just because there are maybe ten good quarterbacks in each recruiting class, and. 
you can really only take one of them at a time without it getting a little bit um, you know, a little bit tricky to balance. The ego is a little bit tricky to convince both of them to stay in the class. And if you miss out on that first guy, you can really find yourself in a lot of trouble pretty early on. And it seems like Ohio State is is kind of in that spot right now. From the player standpoint, too, we talk a lot about what this means for Ohio State and the coaches and, and bringing guys on. But when it pertains to the players, stuff like this is also impetus or reason to stay sometimes and like uh, I, I should stick it out just in case like we saw with Jalen Hurts last season and we've seen it around college football a little bit of like you're always one play away or one decision away so transferring out might not it might be like the first option but as the season goes on shit happens and you just never know so for a guy like Tate Martell I think he's kind of in a tough spot right now where he goes out and by all accounts he hasn't had a very good spring at Miami you know if he stuck that out at worst he's you know the the second string quarterback and who knows you have to do what makes you happy but it's also like everything you just listed with Jones and Dwan Mathis and everything else that's happened in Ohio State's quarterback room the last two years everything changes so quickly and you might be third string today and have to start tomorrow so you just never know yeah, for sure. And that's that's a situation where, you know, like you said, um, never going to get mad at a player for transferring. You know, do what you got to do. I, I get it. Um, but I do think we could maybe see uh, as we enter into um, kind of the, the more transfer-friendly uh, system of college football, I don't think that all of the uh, the shock uh, takes and think pieces about how free agency is a thing now are necessarily uh, the case. But I do think that it's a it's a reality of the situation now. It's it's more and more common in college football, and I do think that after these first few years, um, where you're going to see a ton of transfers, especially at quarterback, uh, every season. I think after those first few years, where people are kind of trying to figure out exactly what they can do with this system, we'll maybe see a shift back towards like what you said where you're you're sticking it out a little longer you're waiting and seeing because you know that you're one play away especially a quarterback and I, I would not be surprised if that's kind of the next trend is people maybe even entering the transfer portal looking around and then returning to school I, I would not be surprised if that's you know something coming down the road in the next few years poor Tate man went from throwing long touchdown passes against Rutgers to getting booed had a closed <laughs> A closed practice, not even in the stadium. Poor guy. I'm still rooting for him to do well, but looking at that from afar, I was like, yikes. Yikes, Tate. It hasn't gone well so far for you, buddy. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's unfortunate. Not a great situation. Um, I did see that he did reportedly did better at his second um, closed practice. I'm not sure how much of that I, I buy into, um, but it does sound like he's certainly in a battle down there, and I don't think that he... Uh, he really planned on that. Long live Vanilla Vice. Yeah, we love uh, him. What a, I think that that pretty much puts a bow on that. We just can't. We we won't know until somebody else comes in, whether it's Hoke or any of these other possible quarterback transfers that that may pop up as we get closer to fall practice and depth charts around the country become a little bit more clear. But at that point. You know, there there's no way to to get somebody on campus and to get a waiver cleared. We're we're getting to that point where like it's it's kind of locked in. If you're on a team, you are 
on a team at this point. But Ohio State, not a lot of depth. I think we both feel super comfortable that if Justin Fields stays healthy, then it won't matter. But it always sucks to not have that guy out there. And we've seen firsthand with Ohio State what can happen when you have two or three guys back there with that 2014 team and then even uh, even Dwayne Haskins a couple years ago against Michigan. So a little bit of a bummer for Ohio State, not something we completely anticipated, but something they're going to have to deal with as we get closer to the season. Everything else football-wise and quiet after the spring game, still no arrests. <laughs> and we're, we're good on that front. There's been no tomfoolery or chicanery going on. And recruiting, I, I haven't been keeping up with it as much as you do, but it seems like that's quiet as well. Not a lot going on there. Is there anything else football-wise that you have your eye on when it comes to Ohio State or around the country? Ohio State, not really. Around the country, we're, we're kind of getting towards the point where um, pretty soon now we're, we're going to be having uh, the preview magazines drop, which is always fun. Um, but really not a ton in college football right now. Like I said, been watching through a lot of the spring games. Um, Florida particularly has interested me in watching theirs. They, that, that offense looks to be operating at a pretty high level, but I, I think right now we're in kind of a, a quiet zone. Certainly that's kind of what Ohio state would hope right now is that there's not a ton of news for a couple of weeks here. Um, We'll be uh, we'll be talking about the draft on probably early next week. We'll have an episode on the draft, but not going to talk about it on this episode because, uh, as the people who are listening can tell, this is going up after the draft has started. Do you want to make um, so any we, any bad predictions that'll age poorly? Um, I have a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, we can do that. Um, I think everyone who is saying that uh, Drew Locke and Daniel Jones should go above Dwayne Haskins will die before 2020 because they're 95 years old. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one thing that for Ohio State fans, it's it's clear that Nick Bosa is going to go in the first two or three picks. If not, I, I don't think he's going number one, but probably two or three. And then yeah. whatever happens with Haskins, he's going to be that next guy. I personally hope he goes to the Raiders just so he can just terrorize the Broncos for the next decade and a half. <laughs> and there are some teams that I don't want him to go to, like Washington, yeah. where he, yeah. I think, would have a terrible career based on how they manage their whole roster with Dan Snyder. At the well, hell. and I would like to be able to buy a Dwayne Haskins NFL like shirt or jersey or something. Yeah, uh, Can't do that if he's on Washington. <laughs> him, I heard somebody throw out him and the Bengals the other day yeah which would be uh, interesting um the and and the reason i bring that up and I, I don't think this this isn't really time sensitive because i think this applies to him to wherever he gets drafted anybody like you said that I, you know we've seen these things about people saying his work ethic or this oh and God. this and that yeah. I, I think if you want to be concerned about haskins there are legitimate concerns how he picks up the blitz whether he's fast enough to to navigate pressure and can process all that in time in an NFL game situation where it's just much faster but I think a place like Cincinnati where there's a quarter a vet that is at least probably around for another year where he can sit and really process the game and get it going I, I think if he is able to sit for a year he can be an all pro level quarterback and he can be that without having to do that but I think he's one of those guys that just speed of the game wise and getting used to pressure that would probably benefit him but 
if anybody questions the way that he throws the ball or his football smarts, I I think that they're crazy. Yeah, I wrote a, um, it was kind of a column type thing on this last week and on the hype for Drew Locke and Daniel Jones and kind of the the chatter that Dwayne Haskins is is falling and how, um, I mean, how ridiculous that seems that, that Dwayne Haskins might be the third or fourth quarterback taken. Um, and I, I was, uh, you know, I, I was airing this guy out on Twitter cause we got a comment on it, uh, about how Dwayne Haskins is fragile and can't read defenses. Like, yeah, like you said, if you're going to critique that's, you know, you're going to critique Dwayne Haskins, that's fine. There are things to talk about. I think his footwork is iffy sometimes. I think that there are times, especially early in the season where he struggled with the blitz, but to say that, you know, like, um, I, I saw a column today that, like you mentioned, questioned his maturity and work ethic. To say that his work ethic is bad or that he can't read a defense or that he's fragile is like you just didn't watch him play. <laughs> you know, that's what that tells me because I think that Dwayne Haskins is very, very obviously an outstanding leader. He's an outstanding quarterback in terms of understanding defense understanding how to coordinate an offense understanding what he is seeing on any given play and you know he's got the arm talent as well and i think that the questions to have with him should not be mental <laughs> I, I i think that if you're questioning something about Dwayne haskins mentally you you're off base pretty pretty significantly and um let, let's hope that the you know actual NFL teams don't think the same way that some of these scouts do because I, I think Dwayne Haskins is certainly a top ten talent and I'm I'm hoping to see him go in the top ten um, preferably like we said not to Washington um, but you know somewhere that can can develop him somewhere where maybe he doesn't have to play right away I do think he could if necessary but waiting a year might be really really helpful for him um and you know i I think if he does end up in a good spot like that like you said he's gonna be a really really good pro and you know what if he falls down the draft boards a little bit i'm fine with that too because that's just going to give him a little bit more extra motivation to go out there and kick everyone's ass so i'm good with that the the patriots are going to draft Dwayne haskins (laughs) and he's going to sit behind tom brady for three years and then be the next aaron Rodgers. and that that's just how life goes but it seems like Haskins and Bosa are the two obvious choices for guys to go in the first round that are former Ohio State players. And then you got a little bit of a drop off there. I, I know I've heard a lot of people have differing opinions on Draymond Jones that he could be a late first rounder. He could fall all the way down to like 80 based off of what certain teams feel about him and how he plays. And then there's uh, the guy that intrigues me the most and we've talked about this a little bit is Paris Campbell and I was convinced like a month ago that he was going to be a late first round pick and I still feel like in the back of my mind that he's just going to pop out pop out out of nowhere and a team like the Ravens is going to take him in the first round or somebody like that and to me that's super rich but I will be so happy for him and everything that he has gone through and how long his career at Ohio State was that like the idea of Paris Campbell first round NFL draft pick is so cool and just so worth it to see somebody put in the work like that and to grind their ass off and to end up as a first round pick like him. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. We, you know, we, we talked about it during the season, certainly, um, 
about the the development of these receivers. And I think that all three of those guys are, are guys that I'm going to be <clears throat> watching during the draft. Um, I, I said on Twitter earlier today that I, I think that Paris Campbell could have kind of a Ted Ginn-like career where he's he's probably never going to be a pure number one receiver just because he has natural limitations with his hands, natural limitations just with the way that he plays the position. But his athleticism, his leadership is, is going to make him a super valuable player to a team for a really long time. And I think that the same could be said of both Johnny Dixon and Terry McLaurin. I know Terry has been discussed as a second round pick, which is another one of those where you know, imagine saying that three years ago that Terry McLaurin's Crazy. gonna be a, a, a second round pick, that Johnny Dixon will be picked at all, um, after the the knee injuries that he suffered through. So I, I think that those three outside of Dwayne are certainly the ones that I'm really, really watching and really excited to see what they can do at the next level. As for the the rest of the draft, um, I, I don't think I really care all that much. The the Browns are gonna win the Super Bowl, so it doesn't really matter what they do in the draft. Um, but I don't know, maybe they'll take Terry McLaurin or something. Kendall Sheffield's going to be a second round pick and I hope you all are ready for it. And you know what? <laughs> I'm not mad about it at all. That's more. John rec- Gruden, make the move. First round pick Kendall Sheffield. Let's more recruiting it. ammo for Ohio state. So Kendall, go get that money, man. I hope you're a top 50 pick. Imagine him going in the top 20. <laughs> it could happen. There, there's been worse players that have gone in the top 20. The Giants which is take him at, the Giants take him at six. <laughs> I would can't love to see him, it. You can't let him slide. <laughs> um, that, Like you said, we'll talk a little bit more draft next week when all of this is done and we can talk about players and their fits to teams and, and anything else stupid that happens in the NFL draft. But is there any other specific Ohio State news that you want to get to? Um, there was the the news with the basketball team that they're hiring um, someone who I think Buckeye fans are familiar with, uh, Jake Diebler, who was – Obviously, still his brother of John Diebler. Uh, I believe he was the video coordinator for Ohio State for a while. Moved on, was the one of the three assistants at Vanderbilt this past year. Um, as we talked about, when Ohio State, you know, found themselves in the market for a new uh, basketball assistant, it's kind of hard to judge the hiring because. There's really, I mean, it's it's hard to see exactly what basketball assistants do. We do know that they do things, but it's you know it's it's much harder than in football. But it seems that Jake Diebler is a a pretty good coach. He seems to be a really really good recruiter. I know that he was responsible for bringing Darius Garland to Vanderbilt, five star point guard, was responsible for getting Ohio State back into uh, 2020 forward Shea Evans is top six. Um, and he, he seems to be really kind of taking the lead on a lot of the, the recruiting stuff. And I, I'm never going to be you know one to complain about more recruiting. He, uh, he certainly has connections in the Midwest, and I think that he's going to be doing a, a pretty good job at Ohio State. Yeah, I, I think that you kind of just hit it on the head. I know nothing about him other than that he is John Diebler's brother. So I hope it works out for Ohio State and he's able to – recruit at a high level and it does seem like their their recruiting is at a pretty nice pace right now and i feel like i've been hearing about dj carton now for like eight years and it's every single year it was like dj carton ohio state 2016 commit and then it was 2017 18 19 20 so it's like it's next year right yeah yeah it's next year sweet i i am extremely excited because it feels like this has been four or five years now and that they have managed to kind of keep a player of his caliber 
on board throughout all that's happened the last few years, I think is a testament to uh, to what Chris Holtman and his staff are doing right now. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that, you know, like we've said before, really excited to see what this program looks like moving forward and pretty pretty happy with the way that they, they seem to be headed. And this hire just, you know, ties into that more. Also, the cigarette puns available with DJ Carden. I'm, I'm yeah. very, very excited for <laughs> I'm sure our Twitter followers will be love to uh, love to just be you know, assaulted with our bad jokes all season long. <laughs> love to smoke cigarettes. Uh, Marlboro <laughs> men here on the Hangout in the Holy Land podcast. <laughs> all right, let, let's get out of here. Uh, we want to thank you guys for listening to today's show. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Just search Land Grant Holy Land. You can find this, the recruiting episodes, Matt's in conversation episodes. All of that stuff is there in one place on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Megaphone. Visit the site, landgrantholyland.com. Follow us on Twitter at landgrant33 and follow the show at holylandpod. You can also follow Patrick and I on Twitter. I won't give out our handles. We're done doing that. Um, and that's that's pretty much it, man. I'm glad we could squeeze 30 minutes out of this. I'm ready to go watch the NFL draft and see Josh Rosen get traded for eight first-round picks. Oh, yeah, dude. I'm excited to see the Blue Jackets lose in four somehow after I finally <laughs> bought in. And this is the year they're going to win it, and then they lose in four. It's going to be good. <laughs> that, that series was absolutely crazy. Uh, the Avs are about to play the Sharks out here. So I'm going to try to go to either games one or two or game five, if it goes five, hopefully, unless it's an avalanche sweep. Um, and, and not get assaulted or slash arrested slash killed. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Playoff hockey, baby. It's here. Why smoke crack when you can watch playoff hockey? That's right. <laughs> All right. We're going to get out of here. For Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning. This has been the Hangout Holy Land, and go Bucks. <laughs>